0: Well, amen and amen. Thank you, choir. Always, I've got to think of new ways to thank that choir in this worship experience here at Hillcrest Baptist Church. Such a blessing. Can I say this to you? It it just warms my heart um, that this is a church that is alive. Uh, You know, you can go to churches Uh, Where there is no life, did you know that? You you can, you don't want to go there. Refuse to die, all right? Uh, Vance Havner used to tell a story about a little boy that sat on the second row with his mom, and he fidgeted and crawled and and crawled under the pews, uh, uh, write notes in the hymnals and everything else, on and on and on. And one day he'd done about everything you could do in church besides listen to the sermon. and, uh, and he looked at his mom, and he noticed over on the wall, you've seen this in some churches, this beautiful bronze plaque with a lot of names on it, a memorial plaque and whatnot. And uh, he said, Mama, what, what's, the, what's that over there? He says, "Well, so that, that's a memorial plaque that lists all the names of those who died in the service. He said, was that the morning service or the evening service? <laughs> You know, when I when I say uh, be alive, I, God has blessed me so much in seeing so much life in Hillcrest Baptist Church, and I'm not talking altogether about volume or physical energy or, or anything. But you know, but but I see life in your eyes. I sense life in your heartbeats when you talk about the Word of God and how God speaks to you when we, when you study and when I preach. And um, and uh, I, I, I hear it in your songs. Uh, re, refuse to ever be known as a church that's dead. All right? Yeah. Never die. Stay alive. Mark chapter 14 this morning. If you'll find that in your Bibles, I have to say a quick word. So dear friends of mine, Gary and Brenda Johnson and their granddaughter Autumn, are here. They're members at Northside Baptist Church, uh, and I appreciate them being here. Uh, uh, I deserve to say a welcome. He was a, uh, just a faithful brother and, and deacon. Uh, believe it or not, this pastor, through the years, my, my greatest friends uh, were deacons. Uh, they were my supporters, my helpers. They were truly what God called them to be, and Gary was one of them, and I thank them for being here today to share in this event. Uh, of worship with us all. Mark chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Please stand in honor of God's Word. Follow with me in your copy of Scripture as I read it aloud for all of us. It says, after two days was the feast of the Passover. Literally, that means in two days is the feast of the Passover. And of the unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him, that's Jesus, by craft. That means as sneaky as you can be. Stealth, uh, uh, behind the scenes, in the dark. It says to take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spicknard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence or denarii denarii, or literally a year's wages of the common people. It could have been sold for that much and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Uh, Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. She's done something beautiful. For, for me, for you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And then actually coming back to the same day, and Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they had heard it, They were glad, that's the Sanhedrin, and promised to give him money. And he, that is Judas, sought how he might conveniently betray him or betray Jesus. My title this morning in this series of sermons in the last week of Jesus' life is this, The Day he was betrayed. Pray with me. Father in heaven, your word is rich and full and so much. We go down through here and we see so many items, different truths, events that teach us lessons that set forth principles. Cause me to be the preacher you want me to be today in this hour for these people, for this worship event, for this worship experience, for this time you promised to be with us. Father, bless us in such a way that our ears and our hearts will be open and our wheels will be broken if need be and we will surrender to you in this hour what you require of us. And we ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Listen to me. Have you ever been betrayed? We think about betrayal and traitors. In America, some of the most infamous are are people like Benedict Arnold, the commander of the fort at West Point, who became a traitor during the Revolutionary War. Then during the, um, the time of the Cold War, Between us and Russia, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg uh, committed treason, passed secrets to the Russians, and they were convicted and lost their lives. You know, more recently, most of us can remember this, though it's several years ago. Do you remember the name Nadal Hassan? He was supposedly a psychiatrist for the army to help those who were hurting in their spirits and their minds, to be a healer. But he stood in the midst of a crowd and killed 13 soldiers and wounded 30 others. Why, he cried the name of his God. He was a, a traitor. He betrayed. You know, some of the best-known biblical people that were betrayed, Joseph of old by his brothers Samson by Delilah. Always a woman in this story somewhere in there. Um, uh, And uh, betrayed. Well, he was. I mean, I know he wasn't the nicest guy on planet Earth, but he he was betrayed. Uh, And how about David, King David, young King David by King Saul? Betrayed. Betrayed. I would imagine, though, the most familiar traitors, the most familiar of those who betray us are those male and female relationships. At least we think we have a relationship. We think we have something between us, and then we're betrayed. A betrayal that touches more lives then we can hardly bear to think about is when there's betrayal in marriage. Amen? This crowd's too big for there not to be someone in here who was betrayed and their family fell apart. We know what it means to be betrayed, don't we? We do. Have you ever been betrayed? Betrayed. Was it by a friend, by a coworker, by a boss? They do it sometimes, don't they? By a business associate, someone you do business with. Well, let's get a little deeper. Have you ever been betrayed by a fellow church member? Have you ever been betrayed, as I've already mentioned, by a husband or wife? And I tell you what, adults... You better be, wake up because there are some children said, you know, I've been betrayed by a parent, by my mama or my daddy. And it is true that our children sometimes betray us. It's awful. The word's just so ugly. If you've been betrayed, you know it hurts. It is a deep, lasting hurt. It is a pain more severe than any physical suffering. It is a hurt so deep you wonder if you will ever forget it. Betrayal. You know, we we forget other kinds of hurts. Forgive me for my personal reference. Uh, Sometimes you got to just relate to things you know so well. And I've mentioned that a few years ago, I... I had a, a surgery, in the last three years, I've had a, I've had a, I've had three different surgeries. Two of them on, on my heart. I had two strokes. I mean, things kind of went haywire for a while for me. But God circled it back and made it all well. But I remember when I had the surgery on, on one of on my, one of my arteries, uh, on my heart. Uh, And my my aorta, um, that uh, they all said it was a real serious surgery, you know, all that stuff and everything. Uh, And uh, and every day they would come in. Those of you that had surgery know this, don't you? What's your pain level between one and 10? I always want to know well, what's a 10? And it says, and is one worth talking about? You know, uh, you know, I, I, I just never knew. I'd always pick something. whatever I felt like that day. However, I wanted to hassle the nurse. I just pick something. I, you know, and I, I t- they'd ask me about my pain level, but I remember that surgery, that emergency surgery I first had on my heart. And, 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 and I told Dinah the other day, she says probably the best thing I can remember is when they pulled the wires out of my chest. Yeah, I don't want to go there. Uh. Uh, But I kind of remember that day and whatnot. But can I tell you, to this day, I don't remember any of the pain. I don't remember it. I I, I don't even know. This is not a spiritual principle right now. I I just don't remember that time. You know, uh, and we have all sorts of pains. Toothaches, headaches, backaches. Well, they hurt, don't they? Uh, But you know, once you get over you get beyond it, you... It kind of dissipates, kind of goes away to think about that. But you don't forget the pain that rests in your soul. They cut you to the quick inside that somebody does to you. You don't forget the pain of betrayal. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Judas. And when it happened, folks, just like you know the pain of betrayal, he suffered in his soul. You remember the incredible suffering servant passages of Isaiah. One in chapter 53, the close of Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 10 11 and 12. Let, let me read that again to you. Did, do you ever concentrate on that one when you go through and think about all those images of Jesus dying on the cross? It says in verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put on him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, did you know that God made Jesus' soul an offering for sin? His soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It says, He shall see the travail of his soul. And shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Folks listen to me. Certainly how Jesus hurt in his soul. The betrayal, the heartache, everything that he took inside, I call them the unseen sufferings of Christ. You know, many of you this morning, you have some unseen suffering. you have not told too many people about any of it, but you live with it every day. Pain in your soul. I'm telling you, with Jesus, more than the beatings, more than the crown of thorns, the plucking of his beard, the nails in his hands and his feet, and the spear in his side, everything to do with the cross. More than all of that, I believe his greatest pain was the suffering of his soul, his betrayal. Well, it's now midweek in the Passion Week. It's Wednesday, um, the fourth day of the Passion Week. I'm not sure that Jesus was ever hurt as much as he was this day knowing that Judas had betrayed him. Jesus, our Lord, Savior, and friend was betrayed. Our great high priest suffered what so many of you have suffered in life. Betrayal. And I'm going to preach Today, in this brief time we have left, on the day he was betrayed. And I want you to think about betrayal. I want you to think on the things that have broken your heart. The people who have broken your heart through the years. But I want you to remember that my Jesus took the pain of your soul into his soul. He knows everything you feel, and he paid for it. Here's why I break it out. First of all, I want to remind us that betrayal is always committed by someone you trust. They can only betray you if you trust them, amen? If you don't trust them in the first place, It doesn't matter. But betrayal is always committed by the trusted. In verse 10, it says this, uh, the first part of it, and Judas Iscariot, one of the 12. I'll just stop right there. One of the 12. How many of you have ever said this? They're one of my best friends. They are one of the most respected people. They're one who is closest to me. One of the 12. You really cannot have betrayal without trust. Three years Judas was in Jesus' inner circle. Jesus had invested time and truth that builds relationships with Judas and all of the 12. As a disciple, one of the 12, he had to have had had to have become as close as is humanly possible to Jesus. Think about that. Nobody walking on the earth, nobody on the planet. He had to become as close as humanly possible to Jesus. Do you know this? Jesus had made him treasure of the group. I tell you what, you pretty much trust somebody if you make them treasure, amen? If you don't trust them, there'll be a vote in the next business meeting. Treasure. It is because, listen to me, you know, it's because we trust so much that betrayal is so heinous, so horrible, so painful and penetrating. But with that said, I want to turn it for a moment. Even so, I want to say this to all of you this morning. Never, never, Stop trusting. Never. And I'm not talking about the betrayers. As a matter of fact, if someone betrays you, before you trust them again, they have to win it. Amen? They had to win that trust back. But that doesn't mean you stop trusting everybody. How many people do you know that live as a victim? I was betrayed and I'll never trust anybody ever again. And that includes God. Folks, never stop trusting. It's such an incredible virtue. Never say, I'll never trust anybody anymore. Don't let betrayal cause you to devalue trust. The only way we build relationships is through trust. That's how a marriage grows, becomes strong. I trust you. I love you. Amen. All of our human and spiritual relationships, the entire Christian faith and the church of Jesus Christ is built on trust. Yeah. Don't ever come to me. Don't come to the church. Don't come to someone else and I can't trust anybody anymore. You can I tell you, as many as there are that will fail us, there are those that will pick us up, embrace us, and love us. Betrayal. There has to be trust in the beginning, but never let the betrayer destroy your trust. Second point, betrayal is always motivated by selfishness. I'm telling you, Those who betray us are selfish. In verse 11, it says, And when they heard it, that's the Sanhedrin about Judas, they were glad and promised to give him money. Promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. You know, the debate goes on about the real motive that Judas had for betraying Jesus. Was it totally greed, the payoff, the 30 pieces of silver? Was it pride? Was it jealousy that Jesus didn't recognize him more? Was he disillusioned? Was he the first one that came to the place that almost all of Israel was, where he says, he's not the king we want? He hasn't, you know, with all he's done, he's still not delivered us from Rome. Was he just dissatisfied? Or was the bottom line, the devil got to him? That's what we think about most people to betray and stone them. The devil made him do it. What was his motive? It may be all of these. It may be all of them. One or all of them. But I'm telling you, here's the way you summarize it. He was just selfish. All was rooted in selfishness. Those who betray are only thinking about themselves. Selfishness. Betrayal may expose any of Judas' possible motives, but he was selfish. Here's why I want to make that point. I want to tell those of you today that may not be believers... Maybe not be saved. You don't consider yourself a Christian. Can I tell you a reason not to come to Jesus? Don't come to Jesus with the notion notion you're going to use him to get what you want. I know that's what Judas' motive was. He wanted to get from Jesus what he wanted to get just what he wanted. If you come to Jesus with the notion you're going to use him, then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, you know, this isn't working for me. This Christian thing, this church thing, this living Righteously living, bigger. You know, it, it's not really working for me. Look, I see my other friends. I see other people. Other things are working for them, and this Jesus thing, this Christian thing, isn't working for me. If you ever come to Jesus for what he can just what he can do for you, that's what's going to happen to you. As I read Scripture, there is a central Christian message: you must die to yourself. You must take up the cross and follow him. Jesus cautioned his followers over and over again to die themselves, take up the cross. He was telling them, this cannot be about you. It has to be about me. Now someone's going to ask, well brother Ken, I thought't Christ- Christianity being saved? Isn't that about me? I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. That sounds like it's about me. I want my life to change. That seems about right. It's about me. Isn't it it about me? I want to be forgiven. I want my life to change. I want life to be better. I want to go to heaven, not to hell. You know, all of those things are true. And they do become a part of the Christian's life. But my Lord Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God in His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You follow me? They, they, they follow. They, they, they are a part of what He gives once we totally give our lives to Him. I know I've spent a lot of time on this, but I, I want you to understand me. To come to Jesus, and you come with that notion oh, what you can do for me, you're going to be disappointed. You need to come with your eyes totally focused on the wonder, the love, the marvelousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll never be disappointed with Jesus. Third thing I want you to notice is betrayal, we'll try to move quickly on this, always comes through plotting and scheming. You know, uh, betrayal Involves people planning to betray you. Um, those of you that have been on this course, been on this road before, you, you kind of follow, you, you know, uh, I, as I've watched through the years and seen marriages fall apart, folks, I'm telling you, they don't fall apart overnight. There's been some scheming and plotting and planning for days, sometimes weeks. Sometimes months. Amen. Anybody following me? Behind the scenes, the scheming. Even though it may take you by surprise, it did not happen overnight. In verse, in, in this passage, in, uh, it, it says that the in verse two, it's. In verse 1, you remember I said what I was reading a while ago, that they might take him by craft, by stealth, in the night, sneaky. Betrayers always plan things in their minds. We read in this passage that Judas was trying to figure out what's the most convenient way to do this. How can I do this? You remember that he figured out what what he told him when he was finally going to deliver them over. What was he going to do? He says, When I go into the crowd, the one I kiss. Right up to the final hour, pretending to love him right up to the moment of betrayal. See, here's what I want you to see about Judas there was no moral lapse. There was no temporary insanity. There was no sinful impulse. He planned it, he premeditated it, and he carried it out. That's betrayal. And why do I so emphasize that right now? The reason I want to emphasize it is, there will be people that you trust and you you are close to. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I was going to pat my chest and I hit that mic. Corey, you... Put it in the wrong place, didn't you? <laughs> My voice about to go, there are people you trust you have invested in, and they may disappoint you. that doesn't mean every one of them planned that betrayal. Hear me, we are sinners See, Trust can be violated, but if the one who violates it is repentant is broken comes to you, pleads for forgiveness, falls on their face, mercy before God, it's right for us to learn forgiveness. Amen? It is right for us to do that. Think with me for a moment. Judas betrayed him this way, but where were 10 of the other disciples on the day that Jesus died? Where were they? Where were those disciples? Why was there so much empty space at the foot of the cross, except for those that would scorn the Lord Jesus Christ? They were hiding, they were scared, they were afraid. You could say they betrayed the Lord by not being there. But that was that same ten along with John that was there, and along with Apostle Paul, later on, after the resurrection and ascension moved across the civilized world and brought the gospel to lost people. That's the reason you and I today sit in this place with our Bibles open and our hearts singing and ringing with the praises of God is because those 10 came back. Jesus forgave them and restored them. Is there someone you can forgive? You need to forgive? That wants your forgiveness? You follow all of this? But there are some in betrayal. I'm telling you, they planned it. They premeditated it. And they're never to be trusted again until they win your trust. Fourth thing I want you to notice. Betrayal can always be easily contrasted with devotion. Did you see right in the middle of this story... Uh, that story about breaking that uh, bottle, breaking that alabaster box and pouring that ointment on Jesus' head and the indignation that was there and said that it was worth a year's wages and it could be given to the poor. Did you see that? Those of you that are real students of the Word may remember this. This didn't happen on Wednesday. As a matter of fact, I won't read it now, but you go later to John chapter 12, and he tells us this happened on Saturday night before the Passion Week. It happened in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But the Holy Ghost had Mark stick it right here in the midst of this horrible, ugly story of betrayal. That's the truth. You go back and read it. It even says uh, over there that it's six days before the Passover. This one says it's two days before the Passover. The same story. And there's another thing. There's another thing that's really good about the account that John gives. He tells us the names. You know, it doesn't tell us the names here. Who was the lady that anointed Jesus and dried his feet with her hair? It was Mary. But who was the one griping about wasting? It was Judas. It was Judas. The Holy Spirit had this story inserted here. I believe with all my heart to highlight the contrast between overwhelming betrayal and overwhelming love and devotion. You know... Um, Jesus said, her name's going to be remembered. (laughs) And we're preaching about it today, and I'm telling you. Um, But you know the names we remember are Judas's. Don't we? When I preach on betrayal this morning, when I said something this morning about, have you ever been betrayed? Every one of you had a name, pop. Just printed on your forehead. Yeah, I'll tell you somebody that betrayed me. But Jesus said, her name, everywhere the gospel is preached, is going to stand as a memorial. They're going to remember what you did. You know, the ugly gets so embedded in our minds when we get betrayed and hurt. We're, it's hard to forget. But I'm going to tell you, friends, listen to me. You surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Word of God, you need to think about names that Jesus wants you to, to, to remember. You need to think about those names that are devoted to you and love you in the hour of betrayal. Um, I I hesitate. I, you, you should have been under my preaching for decades instead of weeks because uh, I picked on my wife and family too much through those years and and people would always rebuke me afterwards, but I'm not going to pick on my wife right now, but I am going to say something. I don't know if anybody on planet Earth is more devoted and more trusting and more encouraging in my life than my wife. In my days of my darkest hours of sickness and our troubles and sorrows, as a matter of fact, sometimes I worry about her. I'm afraid that she'll keep trusting me when I really blow it sometime. She is such a defender. I mean, she'll defend me, defend me against anybody and anything. Uh, I just, I, sometimes I wonder if she's blind to my faults. Well, then there are other times she straightens that out. Um, <laughs> uh, but I can tell you through the years of ministry, if there's ever been a time, and if I wondered if anybody was for me, and if I wondered anybody was against me, Amen. there was somebody that I know had broken that alabaster box and poured blessings and love and devotion over my life. And I've had other people in church life. I talked about a deacon this morning and I've known people in ministry through the years in the church. Uh, There are are names that will pop into my mind. People that had a heart for me and a help for me. I'm telling you, don't ever quit trusting and let those who have real devotion, real love, that will pour out their lives, would give everything more than a year's wage and they give their very life for you. And remember, God will put those people in your life, especially in the church of Jesus Christ. I always contrasted with devotion. Last point. Betrayal is... Always overshadowed by God's providence. Um, I use the word "overshadowed there because I'm hesitant to use the word "overruled" by God's providence, because if I say "overruled," I might mislead you to say you can't be God's not going to let you be betrayed. God's not going to let you get hurt. Because that's simply not true. The betrayal remains. It's there. But God's providence always overshadows. You know what God's providence is, don't you? That means he's in control and he's going to work everything together for your good. Think about the betrayals in scriptural history. Think about Joseph and his brothers selling him off into slavery. That great verse in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. He talking to his brothers he says as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good. God will use me to save Israel. Think about Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. They had Ruled against Jesus. They crucified Jesus. They killed Jesus. I want you to hear Peter's preaching. Chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Men of Israel. Hear these words. This Jesus. Delivered up according to the definite plan. And foreknowledge of God. You crucified. And killed by the hands of lawless men. But. God raised him up loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord in Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Folks, he could not be Lord in Christ. He could not be Lord of the universe and the Messiah that saves if he had not died and risen again. The devil and Israel and Rome put him to death. God raised him again and he used the death of Jesus Christ to bring salvation and redemption to lost people like me. That is the providence of God. Overruling. Betrayal. Betrayal. I believe in God's providence. Do you? And those who have betrayed you, those of you that have been betrayed, do you believe that God can work all things together for good for those that love the Lord? A called according to His purpose. Amen. Hear me on this last point. If you have been betrayed, you need to believe in and look for the resurrections God and God's going to bring you in your life. Amen. The new life, the new purpose, the new focus. Here's my conclusion. I've said it over and over again, and I'm going to say it again. Don't quit trusting. Don't quit trusting. God or people, live in the light and in the warmth of loving relationships. And I'm going to say some other points, but I'm going to pause here and say this to those that may not be believers, not saved this morning. Can I tell you? I want you to hear me. You can trust God. You can trust Jesus Christ. He was betrayed. You may say, Hey, I was betrayed by my family. I was betrayed by my parents. I was in a church when I was younger. They betrayed me. I was betrayed by a pastor, a deacon. A song leader. You, you, the list goes on and on. People have betrayed me, broken my heart. I'll never trust anybody again. Can I tell you something? Never stop trusting. You're only creating heartbreak for yourself. Start trusting, build a relationship, and the greatest relationship you need to build is with Jesus Christ. Trust Him. He knows what it is to be betrayed. When he hung on the cross, the suffering of his soul, he poured out his soul unto death. I'm telling you, he knows when your soul was poured out and he died for you. Don't let betrayal make you selfish. You know, that can happen. You could become betrayed and you become the ultimate victim. Refuse to be a victim. Well, victim. you know, you can, you are a victim. You can be a victim, but refuse to live in the spirit of being a victim. No, I, I'm not going to be pitiful. I'm not going to let be the victim in this. Refuse to be bitter. Refuse to allow your Judas to rob your joy. That's a good line. Right, you write out about it. Brother Ken said that. Refuse to let your Judas... Rob you of your joy. Take note of the Marys in your life. Do you have a Mary in your life? Just so devoted. Would give anything to set you apart. Honor you. I mean, they'd go over a cliff for you. They love you so much. Those that would demonstrate their love, especially in your darkest hours. And then once again, trust God's providence. Ask God to let you see him put the broken pieces back together. You know, that's what providence is when you have heartbreak, when you're betrayed. God's providence is him taking all the broken pieces and putting it back together, even without super glue. God is the super glue. He puts it all back together the way it's supposed to be. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I want to thank you that I have a Savior who suffered in His soul for me to bring me justification and His grace. I want to thank you that you're God who puts everything back together. Father, I want to pray for this congregation today and I want to pray. The thing is, I know any number of people who uh, have identified because just too many people, too many age groups here to not be people who've been heartbroken, had their hearts broken by someone else who betrayed them. But I want us to look at Jesus. I want us to look at you. I want us to look at hope and promise and the providence of God. I want us to look at trust, not fear and hurt and pain, but trusting you and trusting others that love you like we do. Bring that about.